Peace, peace, everybody. Welcome to the Vital Hoops Podcast. My name is Fernando Cardenas, aka International XB, and I'm your host. This is episode number nine. Tonight's guest is Shanae Joy Jones. Shanae is a native New Yorker. Her passion for the game of basketball is unmatched. She has over 15 years of experience coaching. She was named 2020 New York Knicks, Junior Knicks Coach of the Year, and she continues to serve the community in New York. Now, specifically, girls through the game of basketball with Grow Our Game. Shanae, peace, how you doing? What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Vital Hoops podcast. Thanks for coming on. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. I feel like the last time I saw you and your fam, it was out in Cuba. And then the world. No Everything went crazy. Everything went, went crazy. crazy. <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm happy you, you, you say that because I want to, you know, let the listeners know a little bit about that. You know, we met out there in Cuba and um, it was Bobito Garcia's um, tournament over there. You know, uh, he's 21 full court tournament, which is really dope. And he 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 did it out there uh, in, in Havana. That was dope. You were out there uh, with uh, with a, with a, with a nice little group. Yeah, you know? we had Blackjack Ryan. We had yep, some legends. Yep. Um, Roman Perez was out Roman there. Roman Perez, my guy. Yeah, yeah. No yes. doubt. Shout out to um, all of them. Dave Hopla is a big time shooting coach. For those of you who don't know, worked in the NBA for years. Yeah. And Mike Evans, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Mike court. Evans from from um, uh, Full Court Peace. Shout out to Full Court Peace. You know, definitely check them out. They do a lot of good things for basketball in general, but they're out in Havana. And really, I want to shout them out because what they do in Havana is big time. You know, the little league that they hold on, they repair basketball courts, which is needed in Cuba, you know, and then the league that they, that they hold out there is dope. Like even, you know, the pro guys want to come down and hoop you know, which they do a lot of times and the league gets real good. I, I'm always in it when I, when I'm back, back home in Cuba, I'm always hooping out there. Cause you know, it gets good. The games get real good. So how, how'd you get, how'd you get, um, how did it all come, come about for you to go out there to, to Havana with that, with that group, man? So I was actually doing some volunteer work with Bob. I had met him a few okay. years back and was doing his like scorekeeping for his full okay. court 21, um, you know, Tournament. event theory, yeah, uh, yeah, his, yeah. his creative, you know, yeah, event yeah. that he was doing in New York. And so it's so funny because I remember leaving from work early on Tuesdays to oh. go out to um, the Goat Park and over on Riverside and yeah. a few other parks each summer to be, you know, his official scorekeeper. And it wasn't even about getting paid. It was just about helping, you know, right. the basketball community. And of course, Bob was having open runs before that. Um, and I was still playing, right? So I would still go and I would hoop and play and stuff. And so that's kind of how our, our friendship began, right? It began through basketball. And so um, when I was given the opportunity to go to Cuba, I'd never been to Cuba before. Right. And my father is actually Puerto Rican by, by you know, his his birth. He was born in Puerto Rico, but he definitely identifies 100% with the African diaspora, yeah. right? And um, also his Taino roots. Okay. So it was like a huge deal for me to tell my parents I was going to be going to Cuba. He was a right. Black Panther when he moved into uh, Bro when he moved into Brooklyn. Your pops? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. My wow. dad, he was he was That's really deep. in he was in it. Um, I still remember reading Dick Gregory and Lorraine Hansberry when I was a little kid. Um, oh, wow. so you know, it was pretty awesome for me to be That's able dope. to go out to Cuba from just hearing all of the amazing things of the revolution, right? Mm -hmm. But once going there, it was very interesting to hear more about how things were in current times because there was still right. quite a bit of oppression exactly. happening to um it's its own people right? right and so just trying to figure out like what little things can i do without causing too many problems right mm -hmm. in a space and in a in a entirely different um government yeah sure. <laughs> how, how could i still be safe enough but also open my mind to learning more and so you were amazing um an amazing host and Appreciate again it. i think sometimes people forget that like you know, for people like you, Fernando, and also obviously Bob, who just is such a great person when it comes to pulling people and bringing them in together. He's really the catalyst, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that that connects people. I had such an amazing time and mm -hmm. I really wish, um, I wish I was able to go back, right? Yeah. But then again, it was in the fall that I had went. And of course there were just so many different things that happened um yeah, yeah yeah for sure following that so it was yeah. such a blessing and thank you again for the amazing hospitality took a seat in the no, house thank and y'all rhymed and we hooped and went to the backyard yeah, it was, chilling and the food it was, was dope great. it was fun yes. it, was, it was a lot of fun but listen first i want to i want to uh much respect to bobito garcia man for those of you who don't know he's a, he's a legend in this he's a legend in this uh hip-hop basketball all of that so big up to him and yeah he came through and and the whole crew and it was dope. We had a good time. I wish it would have been longer, longer. You know what I mean? But hopefully he brings the tournament back. You know what I mean? Another year. But like you said, yeah, things in, in Cuba are, are very difficult and complicated. And a lot of times, you know, they're not like, you know, how people think, especially, you know, one of the hardest parts out there, I feel like it's like for us to, to really understand how, you know, especially us people of African descent, you know, Afro-Cubans, uh, we have it worse, you know, and that's that's the thing for people who travel. They'll see that repeatedly everywhere we go. There's that one thing in common, like the darker you are, the, the, the more you're in the struggle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think like that's something that we can never, you know, put to the side. That's that's something important to understand. So that's a fact. That's but a yeah, fact. Our, our people are it's very tough times for our people right now in Cuba. So definitely not just in Cuba, around the world. But, you know, yeah. But you know what was so dope though from that trip that really inspired me mm -hmm. was changing my eating lifestyle, right? Yeah. So yeah. being in Cuba, I was just thinking about like the typical Spanish cuisine, yeah. but being out there again, talking about avocado yeah. vegan lifestyle yeah. too, That's right? Dope. Yeah, no doubt. Being a vegan, um, I'm not fully there just yet. But okay. I do my sea moss, I do my elderberry, I do my vegetables, a um, lot of plants. And so again, that was a huge kind of eye opener and, for and me. And I'm sure you could tell all the, you, you, you feeling all the benefits from that. Listen, I'm 40 years old. And let me tell you something. Oh, I, I didn't know. You, you can't tell. You can't tell. I'm just saying. It, <laughs> yeah, it's no, a lifestyle. No. It's a mentality. Wow. Yeah, yeah. All, sure. all, all that it is. Stuff. It is. Listen, man, I started. I went, I went full vegan in 2016 and I was still hooping back then. I was still playing semi-pro back then. And, um, you know, soon as I started, I started feeling the, 
I started feeling the recovery. My recovery time was a lot faster. Like I was almost never sore. I was feeling good. I was, and everybody was like, yo, you, are you feeling all right? You know, you started this thing. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, and uh, I never stopped, never went back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your body so, feels a lot more electric too. Yeah, like that's, yeah, for that's sure. part of that like energy. Um, sure. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, and after that, you know, there's, we could go into a lot because it's not just yourself, you know, it's just, it's a lot more going on with that whole thing, but you know, so yeah, but let's talk a little bit about you and, and basketball. How did, you know what I mean? How did you fall in love with the game? I know you're from New York city, you know what I mean? So, you know, I know, I know basketball, that's why I love New York so much. I know basketball is part of the culture over there, but how, and when did you, did you uh, fall in love with the game? You know, so while I got into playing basketball, um, from my best friend, Yvette, who's now a dentist in the South side of Chicago, has her own orthodontics practice. So shout out to Brownsville Orthodontics and Yvette Battle. Nope. She introduced me to the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was just kind of um, this girl that loved just running around and playing in my neighborhood, playing with the boys, sometimes playing with the girls. Like I was just a very active kid and my parents always wanted me to be active, right? They, I was never in the house cooped up in the house. I was always outside running around with my younger brother, um, just out in the street playing, right? Being a right. kid, having a childhood. Nowadays, it's so hard because, you know, it's just, there's dangers, but there's also video games. And then there's just, the you know. The kids are on their phone. They don't go outside to play. It's crazy. Dude, it's, it's wild. But again, when I was given the option to go to this basketball trial with Yvette, I was like, uh, okay, I'll go. But again, I was real fast. So okay. I remember going and it's so wild because I'm about to be moving back there. I'm dribbling the basketball yeah. and I'm moving so fast that the ball kicks right off my foot and goes to the other, other end. We're in this old, old raggedy church um, basement gym. And I had so much fun that I begged my mom for me to return back. And that was really how I started. So this was back okay. in fifth grade. Um because my best friend convinced me to go with her to these basketball tryouts. Um, and then from there, I started, you know, there, there were so many things I was involved in. And each year, I started seeing myself sacrifice those things for basketball. So first, it wow. was playing the cello, right? The cello mm -hmm. and the basketball season, I couldn't, I couldn't do both. Okay. Um, and my mom was paying a lot of money for me to you know, be able to take the yeah, lessons. Exactly. I was one of the few black girls, mm -hmm. um, girls of color in the program it was 99% Asian. Mm -hmm. um, and so after a few years of that, my mom was like, okay, well, we can, you know, we can, we can pass this up and you can focus more on basketball. So that was the first sacrifice. The second was, as I got into high school, um, you know, again, I was big into the Girl Scouts. Okay. I had to <laughs> sacrifice that. Yeah, no doubt. I couldn't be running around on the weekends with Girl Scouts doing all these different, you know, adventures sure, and yeah, yeah. playing basketball. And then my final sacrifice was when I was in high school, right? I, I ran track. Mm -hmm. um, I also played on the soccer team when they needed me. Um, and then I also played basketball, right? So again, your three letter holder and hopefully kids are finding ways to play sports, right? Because yeah. basketball isn't just the end all be all. Right. Playing multiple sports throughout yeah, the season. Good. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so important um, and, I think so you know, too yeah I um I decided that instead of focusing heavy on track in in the spring and summer I wanted to focus heavy on basketball yeah. and so that was pretty much my final sacrifice until starting to realize that I was being recruited 
for sure. Play this game on yeah. the college level, which was insane to my parents. That's dope. They didn't, they, they had no clue that it was even possible. My dad used to say that I was too short. Um, right. and I'm like five, six, five, seven. Yeah. You know, we, you're not really that short. And I was, I'm a point guard, but I, um, I still get that myself. Like I'm, I'm six feet, but to this day, everybody, every time I say I'm a, I'm a ball player, every, they look at me like they're not even back. It's, it's always from the non-basketball players. By the time I'm back, they look at me like kind of short. I'm like, yeah, well. Yeah, that time don't mean nothing. But, you know, right. again, really, really blessed. And that's how that's how I started playing. Dope, dope. So and um, so. So, yeah, so you did that. Then you ended up playing college ball. Right. Where did you go? I played at New York University, NYU, which is downtown in Greenwich Village. Um, uh -huh. Pilots. Right. Um, so that was an amazing experience. I led our conference in steals my sophomore year. I really, wow. really enjoyed the sisterhood from it. Um, okay. It was the best years of my life. I finished all four years um, playing on that basketball team. And again, wow. these women are like my sisters still to this day. Uh -huh. So so then after that, did you start right away? You got into coaching when you got done hooping at, at NYU? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. You know, it's so crazy because my head coach at the time, um, Janice Quinn, she, and that's like my second mother, right? Uh, She's uh, amazing. Um, and still one of my mentors. When I told her I wanted to coach, she got uh, so angry with me. And she was like, I did not get you to NYU, play basketball to get this degree just to go off and coach. <laughs> You have this degree to make money. You have this degree to go to corporate America, to change your life. Right. Like, I don't want you coaching. <laughs> 20 years later, I'm still coaching. Right. So that's what I'm about to say. You got some years of experience right now. So let me ask you this. That's dope. So let, let me ask you this. The, what, what's your favorite part about coaching? What do you like most? Like, do you, do you enjoy more of like, you more of an X's and O's? Or do you enjoy more like uh, skills development? Like, what do you what do you like the most? And also, do you like do you rather work with younger uh, athletes or older, like pros or college? Like, what do you enjoy the most? So I think that the thing for me I love most about coaching is mm -hmm. the teaching element, okay. right? And so the teaching element has to do with every aspect of the game, mm -hmm. X's and O's. Mm -hmm end of game situations, um, skill development, right? Again, for, for me, it's like there's certain steps that you have to take before you go to that next step, right? Very similar to with school. You have to learn how to write before you can get you know, to the next grade. You need to learn cursive. You need to learn certain numbers. You need to learn your, your colors. Like there's a certain you know, rites of passage each and every time. Yeah. And it's very similar with basketball. So I think for me, being able to teach the game and to really show my enthusiasm and passion for it, I right. think is really important for young girls to see because mm -hmm. they're so used to just not having great experiences, right? And that sucks. And that's not only just for girls, but boys too. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of kids just don't have positive experiences with their coaches. And it's so sad, right? It's so sad when I hear stories from parents and from kids, even when they're older, about, you know, how awful 
their yeah. their coach was and how negative or abusive their coach was to them when they were younger and so yeah, you know yeah. part of me staying in this as mm. you know because you're a coach yourself yeah, no um is really to try to show that there is a positive mm. beacon of light and good energy that yeah. comes with this you don't have to curse a kid out to be a great coach you For don't sure, have to yeah, scream yeah. your head off mm. to be a great coach yeah, yeah um, I agree. you know so that's the thing. I, I do be screaming a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Me too. But, but, but I feel, I feel the love. Like, I guess, you know, the whole thing is kind of cliche, but it's true. Like you got to just show your players that you care for them. You know, and once, once they, once they really feel like you really care for them, then you don't have to yell that much. You just, they'll, they'll know that, you know, you're there for them. And when you tell them something that is for their own good, you know what I mean? But like, um, Personally, I, w one of the things, cause I, I've done also like a lot of different age groups and, you know, to me, it's not necessarily the age group, but it's more so like, I enjoy coaching kids that, that, that really enjoy basketball, you know, like, you know, sometimes you have groups where, you know, the kids are not necessarily too interested. They're kind of, maybe they're beginners or they're not really invested you know, and that those groups to me are a little bit, you know, tougher, but I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy coaching boys and girls that love the game, you know, and that want to get better and that, you know, that I really love that. I love doing that. So and sometimes you've got to teach them how to love the game, exactly, right? A true. lot of times kids, they just, they see one thing on TV and that's what they think it is. And that's uh -huh. not what it is at all. That's true. Right. You see the results on television and you're not seeing the work that Steph Curry puts in all the shots right. that puts up all the the amount of time that he put into developing his game even to this day as a pro sure. right he put a lot sure. of work in Kobe is also like a great example but Kobe is like such an outlier He's because an he literally player. invested his entire life yeah that's true yeah to the game. He's he he's a very different type of animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even for the general players, right? Like you see somebody make an amazing move on the highlights, but you don't see that person literally first trying to all the fumbles. Yeah, you don't see how ball. they got to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that that's oh, no. part of it too is like falling in love with the process of the work. Absolutely. To know that it's not going to be immediate. Yeah, for right? sure, for sure. And yeah, that's challenging for kids, for a lot of kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's our job too, like you said, to make them fall in love with the game. And I think like that's at, when they're at a young age, that's really what I focus on. I feel like, you know, the most important thing is for them to love playing, you know, and for them to want to come back. You know what I mean? Because if not, you're too worried about winning or X's and O's and this and that. And then you end up losing the kids. They might be good for one year, two years, but then they stop hooping because they don't love it. You know what I'm saying? So the most important thing, I think, for especially for younger kids, is to really just fall in love with the game and, you know, the rest will come. So listen, so you also referee, right? I do. Ref. <laughs> so tell me about that. How do you get into that? Because I have to, I must say myself, I hate refereeing myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only aspect of basketball that I do not enjoy. Like, I hate the referee. You know how it is when you're a coach, sometimes you're at camps or whatever, you got a ref. You got, and plus at the ball club where I, where I play and where I coach, you know, sometimes we need, you know, we need people to volunteer, you know, to ref the little kids game, all that. I hate, I've always hated ref and I'm not gonna lie. That's the only aspect of basketball that, I, you know, so I wanted to ask you, how did you get into that? And do you, do you enjoy it? Or is it purely like, are you just kind of, you know, doing it for the, for the culture? 
So I actually started officiating only because um, I actually realized that I was actually good at it. I took a class so that I could start to learn the rules and teach my kids a better way of doing some things. Because there were certain things that I was actually teaching my kids completely incorrectly. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And this was also, again, this was this was stuff that was taught to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely against the rules of basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to learn how to empower my girls when they were on the court. So it was basically a way for me to have a cheat sheet to know, okay, this is what referees look for. So we're not going to do this. We're Mm going to do that. Or this is something that's an automatic foul. Why am I having my best player defend like this if they're going to foul out the game by like the second half. So it really was an opportunity for me to be able to first learn the rules and kind of bend the rules to our favor when we played. But then as I continued on, I started realizing like, wait a minute, I'm actually getting good at this. Um, And my mentors kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me like, Shanae, you need to, you need to get out there. You need to start officiating. Like we want you to officiate high school games. Like, come on. So it's so interesting. Um, I had a chance to officiate not only the um, PSAL, which is our public school athletic league, like that's the league for all of our, our like that govern our high school mm-hmm. games. Um, I had an opportunity early on to get playoff games, quarterfinals, semifinals nope. of um, our high school league, which was like kind of a pretty big deal. Um, and so now, you know, this summer, it's been hard because with work and with Grow Our Game, um, I just don't have much time. Have time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can say the one thing I would recommend is for you to take that class uh-huh. because it will really open your mind to more yeah, than what sense. you think as a player. Like as a player, it's like you almost kind of know what you know and that's it. And yeah, 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 referees, yeah. sometimes they can be bad and negative and mean and you know petty but it's almost like very similar to why I decided to get into coaching early on okay I wanted to be the change that my girls were going to see like I was determined that they were going to see a young energetic beautiful woman in front of them teaching them the game of basketball and that they can become that too and then I took it a step further with officiating right Mm -hmm. um that you can, again, be a woman of color, beautiful, young, energetic, on the court, lively, sure. and officiate the game of basketball, knowing yeah, the rules. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and be good yeah. at it. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> maybe next year, you know, we'll be talking. Maybe I'll be, be officiating, you know, junior college or, or maybe even Division three basketball. Who knows? But it's yes, a great... Um, it's it's not only a great source of income, but I don't do it for the for the money. Yeah, if I yeah, did, I'd be doing I'd be I'd be officiating this summer. Yeah, um, no, nah, but, but what, is a lot. What you said makes a lot of sense because it gives you an advantage right away, like knowing kind of what the refs are looking for. You know what I mean? Like really knowing and uh, being able to teach that to your players is for sure. Uh, that's dope. That's a dope way to look at it. Fernando, next year I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a Zoom call with you. Okay. Or you might even DM me or text me or whatever. You're going to be like, yo, Jones, I took the referee class <laughs> and it's wild. It's bugged out, but I actually like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling sure. you. 
I'm sure I'm gonna learn for sure. But listen, no, I actually did a little something. I did a little something because here in France, like I, I did, a, I passed a, a course in order to have this diploma for like uh, the beginning, like the first stages of coaching. Okay. And, and you know, since they have a kind of, a, I'm sure they have some kind of a shortage of referee, right? So they mixed that in. So you had to do both for sure. So you had to do like intro to refereeing and you had to do coaching. So you kind of had to do both at the same time, basically. So That's I did dope. that. That was like uh, 2013, like the club that I was that I was hooping for back then uh, paid for that. And and I was able to do that. And um, it was kind of dope. The only thing I didn't like was when I had to pass the class, which I actually had to officiate an official game. And I hate officiating. So, dude, but, I'm telling you, but learning it, learning it was dope. Learning, learning certain things was dope. But yeah, you're right. It makes sense. It makes sense. I think, again, I think that you are definitely going to be able to, you're going to be a great official. And it's, officiating is one of the few jobs where it's like straight cash right there. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's, you that's got to worry that's about true. checks or that's money. True. You know what I mean? But you know what? I don't, I'm the kind of player. I don't, I don't talk to the refs at all. Not, but I don't, you're I don't transitioning talk to the refs from all. a player mindset to you're, you're, you're the person on the court now, not in the game, but you're yeah, 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 on yeah. the court. I'm, it's going to be wild. I'm telling you in a year, in a year's time. No, nah, I'm not rocking the stripes. I'm not rocking the, the stripes. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, listen. All right, let's get to it. Grow our game. That's it right there. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but tell the, so the listeners can know what is it? What is grow our game? And, and why did you start? Yo, so grow our game. Grow our game is my uh, non for profit, right? Um, about six years ago, I set out to try to create um, not only just a program, right, but an organization that would not only continue to filter my love for teaching and coaching young girls, but really give a very organized framework for what I was doing all of these years coaching on the AAU level. AU, a lot of it's kind of spiraled a little out of control. Um, Sports in general, youth sports, it's a billion dollar industry. But I think that when we sometimes look at the money, we forget about communities, right? That either one cannot afford these opportunities or two are just completely left out because the the resources are just not there within those communities. Mm -hmm. So again, grow our game. What we decided to do was we started in the heart of Harlem. Um, and that was also largely because I was working in Harlem at the time. So that made life way easier to manage. Um, we started in Harlem and then from Harlem, we started to build, right? So we had our eight to 11 year old group. We expanded and went younger. Mm-hmm. So then we ended up expanding to our four to seven year old group. So now we had two groups in Harlem, four to seven and eight to 11 years old. Again, for free. And we're the only program in New York City that actually does this. We're the only program in New York City that offers free um, basketball workouts and leadership development uh, skills and drills for girls between the ages of four to seven and eight to 11. Mm -hmm. Next year, it'll be eight to 12, um, right? We're the only program in New York City that does this for free because what we started to notice again was that our families were being left out. 
of, of the picture, right? They were being, um, and, in, and this was all very intentional, very strategic, very, very, you know, a, a lot of times now with travel teams, if you have money, you create a travel team. So if you have, you know, a father who, or a mother or whomever that just wants to give their kid the experience of travel ball and they can pay for it, that's what they do. They buy some uniforms, they buy the kids some sneakers to look uniform, and they just go and travel and play in all these tournaments. But for me, when I think about the opportunities that I had when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. my parents didn't pay for anything. It was hard. And so when you think about the struggle you had as a child Mm -hmm. and how things evolve so quickly that now everywhere around you is pay to play, Mm -hmm. we had to create a new narrative for that. And so again, my commitment to the girls in New York City and to the New York City basketball ecosystem Mm -hmm. is to continue to give quality programming to our girls, not only in Harlem, but now we actually had just received funding this year from Nike. Mm -hmm. Um, We're one of their grantees for their made to play um, North America grant program that we're also now entering into this ecosystem in East New York, Brooklyn, which as for many of you that don't know that are listening, East New York, Brooklyn, one of the, you know, poorest, most, you know, underserved communities in New York City, um, very much so a community that gets forgotten about um, when we talk about all of the positive and amazing things that are happening, right? Because there's some really great things happening in East New York, but all we hear about is what's on TV, whether it's shootings or murders or just really, really bad negative news. So again, we're pouring in a lot over in East New York and continuing to build the program there as well. So now we have our eight to 11 year old group that's thrived this past year in East New York, Brooklyn, over at the Prince Joshua Avito Community Center. Um, And then this summer, which basically this weekend, starting on Saturday, um, we're gonna be starting our four to seven year old um, program as well over in East New York. So now we have wheels wheels rolling, right? For sure. Up in Harlem and down in East New York, Brooklyn. And again, it's all for free. We don't want our families paying for anything. We give our girls a free shirt, basketball. And I owe your little one. I owe your little one. But I just want to make sure I continue gathering up a really nice package. I don't want to, you know, just janky ball. And then, you know, (laughs) it's going to be a nice package of stuff. Yeah, my girl, she's about to start now. She's about to start um, coming up September. She's going to start school and she's going to start basketball, too. Yeah, for sure. There you go. There you go. So again, we give our girls a a beautiful pink and um, white basketball. We give them this beautiful um, Grar Game t-shirt and we also give them basketball shorts. Why? Because that's kind of like the starter kit for most families, right? And so the bigger piece is, again, giving these items to them, but also knowing that they're responsible for it. So each girl, every session, they have to bring their basketball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got to be responsible. I had one girl have to work out in her Crocs because her mom said, no, she forgot her basketball sneakers at home. So she going to work out in her Crocs. And I was like, ma, that's a little dangerous, yeah. but we're going to do what we're going to do because I align with that. I align with the accountability. And so again, all the transferable skills that the girls are learning yeah. through the game of basketball is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And then again, we do all of these different activities with the young girls. Um, we have like a beautiful brunch that we have set up that's happening in September. We go to WNBA games. Um, nice. You know, we're having a huge bike giveaway happening at the end of this month in partnership with City Bike, which is kind of like the local, um, you know, where you could like rent bikes for the yeah. day or whatever. Yeah. So that that they gave us a, a very generous grant. Um, and so we'll be doing something for our girls at the end of the month with that. But, you know, it's, it's amazing how when you start something, it's like, you can, I'm just kind of like running away with it. Like, right, right, right. No doubt. Guys, the limit with what we want. And now, um, really the next step starting this, this coming fall and winter is to have my board, um, on the same page with respect to fundraising, because we're going to have to aggressively raise funds for this program and you know we're measuring our impact right now over the summer so we'll have the data to also back up the work um and you know hopefully in like another six years we'll be able to create not only a narrative that girls you know now they say girls by the age of age 14 drop out almost twice as much as their male counterparts right when playing sport okay we're going to shatter that statistic in two more years. Right. All of our girls are going to continue playing sport, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the next st statistic after that is once they get to 18, where are they going? Mm -hmm. They're going off to college. They're going to college. Right? right. And so that's part of, you know, how you truly support the basketball ecosystem. It's, it's never, it should never be a transaction, right? It should always be about transformation mm -hmm. and evolution. And so as we transform our girls, right, into these amazing, fierce, like leaders, mm -hmm. there's also, again, a give back that comes as a result of that too. And that's, that's, that's more, more no. years to come, but yeah, thank yeah. you for asking about that, Fernando, because. No, man. I mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what, that's what this show is all about. Actually, Vital Hoops. Well, that's what it's all about. I love the way, you know, the way you're doing it. And, um, and I, I know it's going to grow. It's going to grow for sure. It's going to, it's going to expand and it's, you're going to keep thriving for sure. Cause the way, the way you're doing it, the way you're doing it is, is purely for the good of the culture, you know, and of these, and of the people. And that's, I'm sure, you know, there's no stopping that, you know, so that's dope. I want to congratulate you and, and big you up for that. Cause that's, that's really dope. And also I want to say like, you know, I think it's really dope. The fact that you're focusing in on, on girls, you know, because I know like, you know, there's a lot of basketball events that go on, you know, lots of tournaments, lots of camps. And even though some of these events are actually for both girls and boys, we know that, you know, all events that, that include both are always more focused on boys, you know, generally, you know, unfortunately that's just the truth. So it's important, I think, for programs like this to exist where we just, you know, focus in on, on girls, you know, so I think that's really dope. You know what I'm saying? So thank you. Thank you. Sometimes people forget about us because they're like, oh no, the girls will be fine. They, they, they yeah. they'll figure it out. And it's like, no, we, we need people pouring into us too. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And thank you for even just bringing me on. Right. Like, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm telling you that you're doing some amazing things and you know, that's the other beauty about social media, right. Is that mm -hmm. you still have a chance to kind of check in on folks no and see how things are and you see the progress and you see some of the struggles. But again, I think that there's a lot that people say that it's like, oh, social media is so fake. No, it's fake. If you make it fake, it can also be authentic. It can also be through an authentic lens. If you make it that, 
Yeah. And it can be very helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I give props to social media all the time because it's been an opportunity for me to kind of break into spaces um, that would be probably far more challenging. You know what I mean? I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. You're in a whole nother across a whole nother continent, continent. right? Yeah, no doubt. So the beauty of that, again, is that we have this opportunity of being able to connect um, and not necessarily having to take a plane ride to, to see one another, to have this conversation. Yeah, and to know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And even we, we see we see things through social media and we can, you know, then we talk and expand. So yeah, it's dope for sure. All right. So, so listen, let's, I wanted to talk a little bit WNBA, you know, let's talk a little bit about the WNBA. You know, I enjoy watching it, you know, um, what, how do you feel? How, how do you feel? Have you been watching games this season? little bit absolutely so i'm like again like i'm a type of person that i'm gonna support whenever i get the opportunity i'm gonna support and i'm gonna support big time right so last year was my first year i was actually a season ticket holder for the new york liberty um and this year i'm continuing my season ticket holdership so i'm a season ticket holder for the new york liberty i have amazing seats um and i am a big fan of the WNBA. I think it's so important that our girls know who these players are. No doubt. It's important that our girls go to these types of events, yeah. right? And also I'm going to take it a step further. It's important for the different, um, you know, organizations and partnerships that, that we have mm-hmm. to be able to support girls in being able to get to those games and to see yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's like, the only way for you to know that there's an actual pathway mm-hmm. is for you to be there and to see it, right? So now if you yeah. see it, you're like, oh, they wow. visualize it. They can visualize it, you know. Yeah. Ooh, Bird, she's really good. Oh, wow, Diana Tarazi, she is nice. Mm-hmm. You're you're in that space, right? So again, for, for guys, it was like seeing Michael Jordan and seeing LeBron James yeah. and seeing Kobe Bryant. But for girls, it's like, no, these girls are amazing too, right? We have yeah, Diana Taurasi and yeah, yeah. Ryan Howard, who's like, she's killing it with the Atlanta dream as a rookie right now. But okay. again, we have so many amazing stories and also amazing like women yeah, that are yeah. that are in the WNBA. So I'm a big supporter of it, huge right, supporter. Okay. So Sue Bird is retiring, right? That's what she said. Sue she's Bird retired. is retired. So, so she's doing the, the retire the retirement tour right now, huh? She's doing the retirement tour. It's so crazy because I actually did a commercial paying homage to her um last month out in Seattle. I okay. flew out, was able to get flown out to uh Seattle and did a commercial nice. paying homage. So hopefully that'll be coming out soon. That's but um, it's really, really, it, it was really, really dope. And to, again, to meet her, I've met her a few times already, okay. but um, to meet her again. And then I went to a game before that and I had amazing seats. Like it was, it, it was amazing to see that. Cause she's also from New York. Yeah. 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 She's from New York. So yeah. Super, it is a such a legend. Yeah, no doubt. And then I think, you know, Tarazi must be close to retiring too. Cause <laughs> I remember watching her. I remember watching her when she was at UConn. And I was still like, a, I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school, I think, you know, and she was killing over at UConn, I remember. So she must be like close to retiring, right? I don't think she is though, because that girl is nice. She's like still- yeah, she's still killing, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know, you know, and she's then obviously she's over with Phoenix Mercury. Yeah. Um, so she's trying to hold it down while of course, you know, one of her teammates right now is is still- Sure. incarcerated over in Russia, which has been so unfortunate. Um, yeah. 
yeah, been such an no unfortunate story. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's talk about that a little bit. I think, you know, for those who don't know, you know, Brittany Griner, you know, eight-time WNBA All-Star, you know, amazing, you know, uh, amazing ball player for the WNBA. And she also, you know, played professionally at Crosswaters in Russia. She actually got held back by customs in February of this year because uh, she had a, allegedly she had a, a, a vape pen that had hash. You know, she, it was, you know, a hash oil in it. So she got, so she basically, she's been held since February for a vape pen with hash oil in it. So basically this is, this is really crazy. Um, and a lot of, a lot of, at the beginning, people weren't too vocal because, you know, there was word that it was better not to speak up and this and that, but now I'm starting to hear people speak up. And then um, now I'm seeing people like Al Harrington, you know, ex NBA player really like activated because also he works uh, in the cannabis industry and he, you know, he understands that it's crazy that we're in 2022 and there's still, still people still being incriminated for, for marijuana and, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, you see the situation. How, how do you feel about it? What do you, what do you think? I mean, there's two different ways, right? There's two different ways for me to see it. I think that the first is definitely like just not taking for granted your rights in other countries, right? Like you gotta be careful with how you're operating, how you're moving, what you're carrying, what you're bringing with you, because it's it's almost like imagine me doing that in Cuba. Like what? I would yeah, I yeah. would be tossed Out real quick. Tough too, but yeah, real quick. Mm -hmm. And so I think again that's one piece. But then the second piece is it's just heartbreaking because as we're following the story, right? I think the, the latest thing was her letter to President Biden. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And she That's said recently. that the first time she voted ever, she voted ever was in this last election and she voted for him, mm. right? And that tells a lot because obviously there's a lot going on with, mm. you know, Donald Trump and the MAGA supporters and all that stuff that I don't even want to get into, but, you know, for her to say that her first time voting was for him and like she's crying out for help. I think that the biggest and saddest piece to this is that he's not going to save her, mm. right? I think that that's part of the reality. Um, and I think that even as, as black and brown folk, we, we really understand mm -hmm. this level of just not having the support. Yeah that you, you assume that you think that you deserve, that you assume that you think that you can get, right? Um, as we continue to see different scenarios happen where you know, law enforcement abuses their, their right to yeah. you know, their arms and yeah. you know, they end up murdering someone cold-blooded, right? The latest was a young man that was shot 60 times. Like I get running from the police, okay, like, but- This is wild. 60, shots yeah, yeah 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 yeah. then you have on a whole nother spectrum a young man that just gets taken into custody for murdering people during a fourth of july march right so you have to understand that th there's a you know th there is a, a double-edged sword here in this country there are also major issues with dealing with black and brown individuals and also i would take it even a step further the lgbtq community 
-hmm. right? And other countries. So it's almost like we have to monitor our privilege because she was one of the highest paid women, you know, basketball players out in Russia, but just like that, they'll take it away. Yeah. Right. And so I think, again, being able to to navigate in that space, it's just it's so unfortunate um, for her. And I think for many of us, it really is a life lesson. Right. Mm. And almost like this just reinforcement of knowing what we already know, which is nobody's coming to save us. No doubt. And so the only way to help each other. Right. Help ourselves. Mm-hmm. is to empower knowledge within our communities, empower knowledge within ourselves. Because if I was with her, I'd be like, no, 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 you can't, you can't take that. You know what I mean? Um, and so again, it's just, it's hard because yeah. we kind of know what, we, we almost know what what's going to happen without it actually happening just yet. And I don't want to be negative. I'm not trying to be, you know, I I am hopeful, but I'm also very much so clear on the support that this country can give and the lack of support that they give to black and brown folk. So no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, yeah, we need to understand that. I think you you brought up a good point. You know, um, these systems, both none of these parties really care about us and our people. You know what I mean? They're all about power. And um, it's the same beast, really. It's the same beast. It might be a different face, but it's the same beast. You know what I mean? Same system that's in place. So they lot, lots of times, you know, they take, they take our votes for granted and this and that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how it is. We need to understand that by now. We need to understand that really, you know, this, uh, like you said, we need to get, ed- I, I think the only real solution, the only real way is, you know, education for us to get educated on this situation for us to, you know, each one teach one, get educated together and then, you know, organizing, you know, at the grassroots level. That's really, that's really where it stands. As far as, um, you know, Brittany Grinder, I agree that, you know, like you said, we need to get educated, understand that in different countries also, there are different laws, different things. But at the same time, I also feel like, like I said, like it's unfortunate that still in 2022, no matter what country it is, you know what I'm saying? Like hash can be, you know, you know, you're a criminal for having, you know, a vape pen with hash in it. That's just wild to me. And, and not for nothing, how many times have there been scenarios where items were planted on us? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. That's why I said allegedly she she was correct because it might not have even been hers. Right. But I think that the bigger piece is to to remove ourselves from those situations and scenarios in general. Mm -hmm. It's just it's so it's so it's painful to watch. You know what I mean? It's painful to watch, and it's like you know until we're able to really unpack all of it, yeah, and get her side of the story. I don't think you know we can kind of make our assumptions and and things like that. But I think that the bigger piece is once all of this is finally done, Mm -hmm. her being able to unpack and then educate others when they go to play overseas, because that's a big part of the women's um, basketball industry, right? Many girls are here and obviously with a limited number of spots in the WNBA, Mm -hmm. most of them continue on to playing overseas. A little bit of knowledge on that. I think is also very, very helpful as well, because you can be in one country and maybe it's fully open. And then all of a sudden, maybe you have a a layover somewhere else or whatever the case may be. Um, 
And just like that, you know what I mean? Like now you're in a situation where you're imprisoned and really not clear on when you're going to come out. Yeah, it's difficult. It's, 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 it's really a messed up situation. You know, I just hope, you know, Brittany Griner can get back to her loved ones, her wife, her family. Because uh, this is this is crazy. So, yeah. So, all right, we're coming to an end. Um, I want to thank you again. But but before we before we roll out, listen, we like to do this thing here at Vital Hoops. I feel like, you know, part of one of one of the problems, one of the many problems in our society today is, you know, like we were talking about is the information and the knowledge. And I feel like a lot of the youth and not just the youth, but a lot of people are just, you know, they, they listen to a 15 to 20 second clip, you know, and now they think they know something, you know, and they're not doing the knowledge. They're not reading up. They're not going back to the books. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're leaving books aside and I think books are very important. So I wanted to ask you, this is called, I recommend, we're basically, we recommend, to, we recommend a, a good book to the listeners. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily be about what, what we spoke on today, but it could just be something that, you know, that could be helpful, that could help you, you know, elevate. Wow. So there's a few, but I would definitely, for, for those that are out there, and again, I'm speaking from the, the woman's perspective through the woman's lens, right? No doubt. No doubt. Um, and I talked a little bit, I guess, before we officially got on about my father's background, mm -hmm. um, being, you know, a Boricua, but then coming into America and then being raised in like downtown, you know, Fort Greene, Brooklyn with his mother and sister and mom. My, my abuela used to iron clothes for like three pennies a shirt. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they, they were in the struggle, but my yeah. dad became very much so drawn to the Black Panther movement. Mm -hmm. um, and so the one book that I would recommend, and again, this is all through the lens of a, of a strong woman, is A Taste of Power by Elaine Brown. At one point, she was actually the number one for the Black Panther Party. And she talks about the, um, the challenges with Eldridge Cleaver and the challenges with the, the party while QEP was actually in prison during that mm -hmm. time. And again, as if we know a little bit about the Black Panthers, when he comes out of prison, he actually is a bit of a different type yeah. of person. It's almost similar to, you know, they talk about Malcolm X before he okay. went on his journey to, uh, to Mecca and when he returned back. So A Taste of Power by Elaine Brown, I would 1000% recommend. It is an eye-opening book. And I think um, for a woman, right? And to, to hear more about the woman's perspective of mm -hmm. being of in that position of power, um, highly I appreciate that because I haven't read it. So I'm actually going to check that one out for short, for short. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. And I want to say, I, wanna, I also want to say, man, you're, uh, much respect to your pops, you know, because a lot of times, uh, you know, these are real heroes, I feel like to me, you know, the people who actually fought for, uh, for black and brown liberation. You know what I'm saying? These are the real heroes and they're not necessarily respected the way they should be. You know what I mean? And a lot of them are in jail. A lot of them are dead and they're not necessarily remembered. But I, I just want to say that these are real heroes more so than, you know, athletes and entertainers and all of that. You know, the people that actually fought, you know, and continue fighting for, for us, you know, and for our people. It's so crazy. My dad is actually one of the few that made it Mm. to to his age yeah, um yeah. you know a lot of his friends passed because of different different reasons different things different um you know mm. situations but he was 
he was one of the few that actually made it to mm -hmm. see 2022. So he was definitely able to share and continue to share all of his, you know, war stories with all of us. So, you know, yeah, I, sure. I'm happy to continue to live his legacy and to, to shout him out whenever oh, I can, because oh, that God. man. I'm sure he's been through a lot. Yo. I, I saw him. I saw him real quick on your IG story. I don't know, like maybe like a week ago or so, you know, you was chilling with him. So that well, was dope. I'm going to try. This is a picture of him. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, that's my pops back in, you know, the, sure. the, the 60s, late 60s. Sure. And as we know, 1969, that epic, that epic time of the explosion of the Black Panther uh -huh. movement um, yeah. over in Cali. And then, of course, hitting all the other the yeah. urban metropolitan cities around the country. Um, yeah, big up to pops, man. Yeah. Big up to Andres no Cruz. No doubt. Much respect. So listen, let's since we're, we're on, the, on the revolutionary line, we're going to keep it that way. I'm going to go over to the other side and. And, but we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay connected to the women. You know what I mean. So I'm gonna. I, I want to recommend um, women's liberation mm. and the African freedom struggle by okay. Thomas by Sankara. Thomas Sankara. Okay, Thomas Sankara, uh, one of the great African revolutionaries. You know, and this is an amazing book. It's a short book. You know, it's a it's a it's a quick read for those you know you who want to check it out. And you know. Yes. Um, you know, Sankara used to say, you know, there's no revolution without the liberation of women. You know what I mean? So, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so definitely check that one out. Uh, that's a good book. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So much respect to all the revolutionaries out there, you know. So listen, before we go, this is your time. You know what I mean? I just want you to uh, I appreciate your time so much and I appreciate what you're doing for the community, for our people, for our, for our game, for our culture. You know what I mean? And I want you to um, share, share with the people like where they can, you know, link up with you, how they can connect, follow you on, on social media, your websites, all of that, and how they can um, help, you know, how they can help out, you know, how they can help grow our game. You know what I mean? So, go ahead. so, so, so I definitely want to thank you, Fernando, for everything and, and bridging this and obviously vital podcast. Thank you so much for having me um, on, but I definitely want to say that if you have any interest, um, feel free to follow us, Instagram, grow our game, right? Um, on Twitter, it's grow our game and why, um, on Facebook, it's grow our game. And again, we have a website also growourgame.org. Um, and the one thing I do want to say in terms of just the people is that we don't want your money, right? That is corporate's job and us fueling and finding opportunities to bring that money back into the community. The biggest piece that I want to leave you all with that are listening and that are here is to know um, and also understand how important it is. If you have a daughter, if you have a niece, if you have a young girl in, in your family, in your house, and you're experiencing a neighborhood, give them permission to learn sport right? Sometimes we walk and operate in fear when it comes to exposing young girls to sports. And I'm here to tell you that there's nothing but benefits with the right coach, with the right system, with the right program. Um, and so again, Grow Our Game is doing that here in New York City. Um, but you know, for just that young girl that you may have experience with, give her permission to learn and um, expose her to sport because uh, it's, it's powerful stuff, right? It's powerful stuff. And so again, 
thank you so much for listening and hopefully you all have a great day. No doubt, no doubt. We're going to have all that. We're going to have all that information down in the description for everybody to check it out. Definitely check out uh, my sister over here because she's doing great things. So thank you so much. You know what I mean? Thank you so much. Um, we're going to have you. We're going to have you back on at some point. We got to see how this, how our game is growing. You know what I mean? So we're going to have you back on and just uh, like I said, big up for everything you're doing. Much respect. Respect, brother. We talk soon. Peace. All right. All right. This is it. Episode number nine is in the books. Big up to Shanae Joy Jones. Much respect for everything she's doing out there. Grow our game, specifically in New York City, but it's affecting the globe. You know what I mean? It affects us all. Listen, uh, make sure you check her out on social media. Uh, support, share what she's doing, and follow the journey. It's amazing doing it for, for the culture. And listen, make sure you follow us at Vital Hoops Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook. You can hit us up, vitalhoopspodcast at gmail.com. You know, um, you can also um, make sure you check us out on Twitter at Vital Hoops Pod. And um, you know what I mean? Stay connected. We got a great guest coming up for episode number 10. And um, I'm excited. And uh, we appreciate all of you. Um, please share, like, subscribe, you know, and um, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing the culture. Word up. By the hoops is for the culture. We out. Peace.